have you ever heard of the term sophomore, sophomore slump? Have you ever heard of that term before? It is used primarily in academics. Like think about it as a freshman going into college, they're gung-ho, they're geared up, they're excited for this new world they're in and they do well in their freshman year, but they can't sustain that momentum and they, they tend to dip and then they slump in their sophomore year. So that's something that we often see in, um, not we often see, but you hear about in academics, uh, hence the term sophomore, but it also can uh, relate to creatives. Like if you think about, um, I feel like there's a lot of bands from the 90s that had, they were one hit wonders, right? They hit it out of the park with their debut album. People loved them. And then they tried to recreate it and it was a flop and you never really hear about them from that point forward other than their one hit. So that's what the term sophomore slump is. I feel like in the UK, it's second year blues. Um, I know some of my clients and some of you out there are uh, in Europe and in the UK. So let me know if there's like a fun term that you use differently there. Um, but the thing I want to talk about today is how this sophomore slump can apply to you as a course creator, because this is something that can happen. It does not have to happen, but a lot of times our mind goes into these what if scenarios, and that is you launch your digital course the first time you have success, you get students enrolled, you love it, you want to do it again, but you're hesitant or afraid that it was a fluke, that you're not going to be able to recreate that magic for your second launch. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about why you might experience this, um, areas to focus on between launches one and two, and then different strategies that you can apply to a second launch that I don't typically recommend for a first launch and how to know which strategy works best for you. So if we haven't met before, I'm Chelsea Hayes, the course pro, and I help entrepreneurs live launch their digital courses uh, with our done for you services on Kajabi. But we also show up here to give launch tips and Kajabi tricks as well um, on Instagram, Facebook, and that Just Launch It podcast. So thank you for those of you that have been here before and welcome to anybody that is new. Okay, so let's dive in. How does this show up for course creators, right? So you have this first launch, and then the second one isn't as big as you want it to be, or maybe you don't even generate as much revenue or you don't enroll as many students as you did for the first one. The reason why this happens, there's a few factors that go into it. The big thing is you don't have enough lead up time for your second launch, or you don't use that time that you have to continually grow your list. So when you launch your digital course for the first time, you often get people in your audience that are your warmest. They know what you're about, they know what you teach, and they've kind of been waiting for you to launch your course, right? So you have these warm people who know and love you and they're ready to enroll. But when it comes to the second launch, your warmest people have already purchased. So you have to use that time in between launches one and two to continue to warm up your audience. So that can be things like continuing to promote your lead magnet and building your email list. That can be things like nurturing your email list. You don't wanna do all this big promotion for your launch 
and then crickets and you're not sending them anything. You don't have any weekly content until you open your doors again three or four months later. You wanna continue nurturing your launch. Sometimes with a first launch, there's so much that goes into it, you need a breather. You need to decompress. You need to take some time to relax uh, from all that you did from a first launch. But if you don't then re-energize and recharge yourself to continue focusing on your second launch, that's where the slump can happen um, because you've kind of taken your foot off of the pedal. You've maybe gotten out of your routine uh, as far as connecting with your audience. And that that makes that your uh, that turns your audience uh, that what am I trying to say? that makes your audience not as warm as they possibly could be. So those are some of the things there um, that maybe have fizzled out between launches one and two. It also might be something where um, what worked in launch one, you change that or you're not changing the right things between one and two or you're not bringing in new strategies. And we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about that. Um, so the goal of the first launch really is to get it done to get it done, to go through the process, to get students enrolled and know that what you have works, right? Like there's proof of concept that you have people that enroll, that want to enroll in your course, whether that's you have five people or 50 people or more, who, how many ever, the goal of the first launch is really just proof of concept that there are people out there that want to purchase your course. We know that they're out there, but do your marketing efforts, does your sales page, does your live webinar, does that all convert? Um, So the goal of the first launch, proof of concept, the goal of the second launch is to take what worked, continue doing that, take what worked and improve it, and take what didn't work and adjust. Okay, so these are things that we talk about with our clients, uh, their launch report card, the launch debrief after they launch the first time. And so some of the stats that we look at are things like email open rates. Is your, are your email open rates at the level that you want it to be? And people always say like, what should that be? Um, I liked it, I like it to be at least in the 40%. Um, But it really depends on your audience. What's your typical email open rate? If your typical email open rate is 40%, 50% and your launch emails are a little bit lower, you know, that might be something that we need to improve upon. If your typical emails, like your everyday weekly emails, the open rates are in 30% and your launch emails are 40%, ding, 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 that's a winner, right? But every business is different. I have some clients, their open rates are like 60 and 70%. I have some that are consistent consistently at 30%. And so you don't want to gauge off of somebody else. What is true for you and your audience? Okay, so we look at those numbers. Are we happy with those email open rates? If we are, then that is a sign that we don't need to spend a lot of time on emails. We can use the exact emails, the exact subject lines, and use it for the second launch. That kind of takes some things off of your plate. If you're not happy with your email open rates, what you could do is just change the subject line. You're not rewriting the whole email, but changing the subject line, that might get those email open rates to increase. Another thing that we look at uh, are the stats around the webinar. The webinar is a big piece that's a big, Uh, vehicle to convert your audience from just 
audience members into students. So we like to look at that. We look at things like the webinar registration page. Ideally, it's 40% conversion rate on your webinar registration page, meaning 40% of people that go to your page actually sign up. So if you have 100 page views, we want at least 40 people that are signing up for your webinar. If that is lower, then that's a really good area of opportunity to uh, improve your webinar registration page. And often it's just that above the fold, above the fold means the section, the first section that they see immediately clicking on the page without needing to scroll. So above the fold is like a newspaper term. They put their most juicy stories above the fold on the newspaper so you could read it before without even needing to open up the newspaper. So that's uh, one of the stats. We also look at what is the percentage of people that buy during the webinar. And that can range. Um, we like to see at least two to four percent of people that show up to the live webinar sign up as students. Again, that is all relative to what your audience is. But with your uh, with your first launch, you now have those stats that you can look at and aim to improve slow slowly over time. Now, if your webinar was it did convert maybe five percent of the people that showed up signed up, then that's great. So the goal then would be to get more people to show up. If you struggle to get people, like maybe you have people signed up, but they didn't show up, a typical show up rate is about 25%. So if you had 100 people sign up for your webinar, 25 people showed up, that's average, right? So there is area for improvement. Um, but if you maybe had 10 people show up, that is an area that I would definitely focus on because we wanna make sure that people are, that when they sign up, they show up. So those can be things like an email reminder series. It can be things like, um, we use ad event. So it's a clickable, it's a software so people can just click a button and it adds the session to their calendar. Some of the adjustments might just be your webinar title. Maybe it's not the whole presentation itself. Maybe it's just the title doesn't quite connect. So there are different nuances and different pieces that you can look at from your first launch to see, okay, what is it that I wanna improve in the second launch? Okay, so we look at some of the things that what worked, what didn't. We can also look at student surveys. So what were the responses that you got from the, the surveys that your students um, filled out upon purchasing? If you did a non-buyer survey, so a survey at the end of the launch, end of the first launch to those that didn't buy, asking them why they didn't buy, use that data there. Those are all really good tools to help determine what might we do for the second launch. But for a second launch, I also like to bring in brand new strategies. So because of first launch, the goal is just to get it done. We try to make that, we try to get there as simple and as effectively and efficiently as possible. Um, and so there's a lot of things that happen when you're launching a course for the first time. You're creating all the marketing materials, uh, you're putting yourself out there, you're creating the course materials. So we try to keep it just really as simple as possible. So, but the second launch, the course has already been created, right? The marketing materials have already been created. There are things that we just need to tweak and improve, maybe things to reschedule, but the meat of it is already there. So in a second launch, we'd like to now add in new strategies, new bells and whistles that um, would honestly be overwhelming to introduce during a first launch. So let's talk about some of those strategies because these are really what will help you 
avoid that sophomore slump. It will help you take what you've currently built for your launch machine and enhance and increase and up level instead of dipping down. Um, and these are ways to reach new people and uh, really hone in on your course topic so that who you are attracting are the right audience, right? It's the people that are mo more likely, they're most likely to enroll in your course. So let's go through some of them. Keep in mind, you, I do not recommend doing all of these for a second launch. I think you should pick a few that make sense to you and your launch and your capacity uh, and your goals too. Um, so, okay, let's dive into it. The first is a course focused freebie. So Many times when we are launching our first course, we put out a freebie, we put out a lead magnet just to build our list, right? Now that we have the course in place, it's a really good time to look at that freebie. Does it align with the right people? Did it attract the right people that would be ready to purchase your course? And I'll give you an example. So one of my clients, uh, Dr. Stacy Devine, she has a course called Thriving After Breast Cancer. So she works, she is a triple board certified physician and she has a digital course that helps women um, improve their health, their lifestyle, after they have finished breast cancer treatments. So women that are going through breast cancer, they obviously have their oncologist that supports them through that, uh, guides them through their journey um, to become cancer free. And then after that ends, the cancer's gone. And then this woman is left trying to figure out how to navigate after her body has been changed by so many uh, treatments that she's gone through. So that's where Stacy comes in as a physician to say, here are some things that you can do to improve your life and in your health post can breast cancer treatments. Okay. So one of her first lead magnets she had was breast cancer fighting foods, which was great. Like she, her list blew up because it was a really helpful tool. It was a really helpful resource. But what was happening is she was bringing in anybody that was currently um, diagnosed with breast cancer, but she, she can't help them at that point. She can only help them after they finish their treatments. And so she took that, um, that lead magnet instead of anybody that could potentially have breast cancer, she took that lead magnet and focused it in specifically to those that are post-treatment. And so the resources that she shared, and now she has a whole library of lead magnets, but that really helped her bring in the right people that she could help now. She wasn't bringing in people that um, could use her help and her services and her guidance in a year from now. She's bringing in people that could that could benefit from her expertise in the moment, okay? So that's an example of how you might look at your freebie after the course is done and see, hmm, who was I attracting? Was it the right audience? Could I dial in a little bit deeper? Could I um, focus my niche just a little bit tighter to bring in the right people? So that's the first strategy. The second strategy is bringing in affiliates. So you can bring in affiliates to help promote your course. I, if this is the first time you are introducing affiliates into one of your programs, or maybe you've never been an affiliate before, I, I recommend you keep it very simple to start. Find three to five people in your industry, um, or that are in complimentary, that are complementary to your industry that could help promote. 
Um, so for example, I'm working with a client, he has a course on uh, helping individuals uh, heal their past traumas so that they can have healthy and thriving relationships. So some of the affiliates that we're looking at are a matchmaking service. Um, and so it's not a, like a direct competitor, but it does align closely with what it is that he does. And this other company doesn't offer the type of coaching and support and courses that he does. So it's a, it's a good match. Um, and so I recommend going into a business that complements you but isn't necessarily a competition, right? Because you want them to be very forthcoming with promoting your services. The reason why I say uh, go to other companies, organizations, businesses, is because they have an audience, right? They most likely have an email list, they most likely have a social media following, so they have people that you can tap into We're borrowing their audience for your launch. What a lot of people do uh, from the start is they'll say, hey, you were my student in the first launch. Do you want to be an affiliate for my second launch? That can work. That can absolutely work. But you also have to keep in mind, these are people that don't necessarily have businesses. Um, maybe they do. It totally depends on your topic. But if they're not in the space of they don't have a big audience, maybe they don't have an audience at all, they might recommend one or two people which, which can work, but there's just a little bit more of a hump uh, to, to get through. If it's, if it's a past student that has no business, they may not understand what it is to be an affiliate, so you're gonna have to really teach them. They may not be um, as dedicated, because maybe, okay, well, I have one person that I could bring in. There's a couple hundred bucks. Like, right, that could be um, helpful to have an affiliate there, but it's gonna be a lot of one-offs. And we've seen this with some of our clients too. Um, yeah, their past students might bring in one student here or there, but it's really when you partner with somebody that has a business, that's when they're bringing in seven students, 10 students, 25 students. So that would be my just general recommendation. If you're starting with an affiliate, uh, if you are starting to offer affiliate commissions for your course launch, just pick a few businesses, a few companies that can partner with you and start there. You can always open it up to your students um, later on. Okay, so the next thing you could do is paid ads. Um, maybe, I, I generally don't recommend doing paid ads. By paid ads, I mean specifically Facebook and Instagram ads. Typically don't like to do them during a first launch because we don't quite yet have that proof of concept um, that we achieved during the first launch. But when it's a second launch, this could be a good time to bring in paid ads. I would, if this is something you're interested in, I would reach out to an ad specialist as soon as you finish your first launch because it does take usually about a three month window to get an ad specialist on board, to get them um, to create ads for your lead magnet, to test your audience and to see what works, right? So it's usually about a three month window there. So after you finish your first one, get into it quickly because what you don't want is, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I wanna use paid ads, I wanna use this strategy. I launch in a month and now you're scrambling and you don't really have time to test out the process and test out the audience and 
set yourself up for success in that way. Um, another thing that you could do is add in new bonuses. So these could be new bonuses, um, whether that goes to all of your students. These bonuses could be something like an, um, a cart open bonus. So the people that enroll in the first 48 to 72 hours, they get an additional bonus. This could be a really cool thing uh, that you can leverage the leverage the feedback that you got from your students. What were some of the things that they were asking for? What were some of the things that they were, wanted to learn? That That is your idea for a new bonus, right? Um, you can do different things like a cart close bonus. You can do things like a show up live bonus to your webinar. So those that show actually show up live, we want them to show up live for your webinar, um, they get an additional bonus. So you can think about different bonuses to add. Um, kind of along those lines is the, the next strategy. So an opportunity or an option for your wait list. So this is something where if you have a wait list, you can give them preferential treatment, you can give them additional bonus, you can give them an incentive to sign up now, but it only goes to those that are on your wait list. So that's kind of your thank you for, you know, being patient as we've had enrollment close, but enrollment is now open. So the way this has kind of looked for some of our clients or some examples I'll give you, um, early enrollment, so the first 72 hours for those on the wait list, if you purchase, you get a discount or you get a bonus. I like to lean into bonuses more than discounts, but discounts can work. Um, it also can be something where you open the cart a day early. So maybe you open your cart on Monday for your course for just those on the wait list. So they can have a guaranteed spot, uh, they can get in first, and then you open your cart for the rest of the launch the rest of your audience, the rest of the public on Tuesday, the next day. I've also had a client, she's done a special workshop for those on the wait list. So that can be something where you have, um, it wasn't really to sell at this point. It was before the cart opened. It was a few days before the cart opened, but it was a really good way to have some interaction and uh, revitalize some of that interest that they had previously when they submitted their name to be on the waitlist. So waitlist option can be something where um, you incentivize them as a to join early. I like to do it early. I don't like to do it where it's throughout the whole cart open. So whether that's before the launch, a day before cart opens, or within the first few days of cart opening, you can give your waitlist um, an extra incentive to sign up. This is really helpful for you because you're going to start the launch off even stronger because now you have people that will sign up from day one. So that's a really good way to start the launch, um, capturing those people that have been patiently waiting. Another strategy you can do, I've got two more and I'm kind of rolling through them quickly because I know you're busy people. The, the next strategy I have are testimonials. Now, we all know we should be gathering testimonials, right? But are you sharing those testimonials? So one of my clients, her name is Rhea Schwartz. Uh, her business is Bosses in Beauty. She does a fantastic job of continually sharing her students' success, her student testimonials on her Instagram all the time. And the, what's happening is in between launches, right? In between launches, you have your students actually still going through the course. Um, and so like, think about it. You launch your course, say it's an eight week program. 
then you have three months in between before you launch your second course where you launch again for the second time. Well, what's happening is you have during those three months, two of those months, you have students going through the course, right? So screenshot those, take, it does not have to be like super formal at the end of the course, here's the testimonial survey that you fill out, right? These can be DMs. These can be um, screenshots that you take from your Facebook group or your community. And so these are really good opportunities to post on your social media or share on your, with your email list or wherever you engage with your audience and talk about the successes that your students are having now. So this creates FOMO, this creates the fear of missing out and it gets people to be excited to also achieve those results and then they want to sign up for your course the next time you open the doors. So really leveraging those testimonials in real time can help create some of that that FOMO or that um, that interest because people intrinsically think, I want that too. If this person is getting those results, I want that too. And so it really helps. You've already planted the seed in their brain that you have this course, but it really helps kind of water and nurture that soil that they have inside their head of what's possible for them because they're seeing other people achieve that. And then the last thing um, for a, a second launch, another the last strategy that I'll share with you is the alumni experience. So an alumni experience is inviting your past students back into the next uh, round, your next cohort, your next session. So because they already are students, they already have your course materials, they are not gonna pay the full amount I like to keep it right around 20% so they can pay 20% and get back in. And what they get is they get access to you again as the course creator. They get access to the live Q and A's, they get access to the communities, they get access to all of your bonuses that you're offering and they get that accountability. They're now in the community again with people that want to achieve the same things that they want to. And so it's a really good way for your students to kind of get recharged and excited again about going through the course materials. Maybe they didn't complete it the first time or maybe they did it the first time, but now they wanna go through it a little bit more fully. It's definitely an accountability for them. So an alumni experience is a really good way to leverage um, your most trusted students. You do generate a little bit of revenue, but the real magic is getting your students to complete the course. Maybe they do need a second go, um, but it's also they bring a sense of liveliness to your community. And we want that. We want people to be engaged. We want people to participate. And so they can be there uh, encouraging some of your new students to continue moving forward. They can be sharing what works for them. And so it really is a nice community aspect that kind of recharges and pumps up your student community. So that's the alumni experience. All right, I know we went through a lot. I'm gonna recap them for you. Um, so some of the strategies that you might try or might add onto your second launch is a course focus freebie. So redoing your lead magnet. You might add affiliates. You might add paid ads. You could offer new bonuses. Um, you could do something special for your waitlist. You could start sharing your testimonials or you can add an alumni experience. So I do not recommend doing all of those because that is a lot to add on to already launching your course. Um, 
So what I would do, what I would recommend is go back to your launch report card or go back to your debrief from your first launch. Where are your areas for opportunity? Really see what are the things that you need to be focusing on and decide what do you have the capacity for. Um, so maybe you want to add affiliates and you're not quite ready to add paid ads, right? Um, the, the great thing about affiliates are it's a marketing expense because as an affiliate, you are paying them commission to bring in a student. Um, it's a marketing ex expense that is guaranteed. You don't have to pay an affiliate until you actually get a student in versus something like paid ads. You're putting your money up front with the hopes that those students will actually come. So maybe you do one or the other. Things like new bonuses, maybe you don't have time or capacity to create new bonuses, but you could open the doors 24 hours early for your waitlist. Maybe you could offer a coupon code for your waitlist if they do sign up within those first 24 hours. So you really have to think about what are your goals, what's your capacity, what were the results of your first launch, and then use that as a guide to figure out what you wanna do in your second launch. So which one do you wanna try? How many of them are you gonna try? Um, I'm curious to know. And if you want to continue this conversation, uh, feel free to DM me. I invite you to reach out, DM me on Instagram. I'm at Miss Chelsea Hayes, M-S-C-H-E-L-S-I-E-H-A-Y-E-S. Uh, I'm also on Facebook at either Chelsea Hayes or The Course Pro. So DM me if you want to continue this conversation and we can talk about your specific launch and what strategies might work for you. All right, that's it for today. I hope you found some of this helpful and I'm curious to know which of these strategies you are gonna try.